Okay, welcome everyone again to another episode of Junior Resource Investing. This podcast is dedicated to deepening your understanding of the junior resource sector and some important and exciting plays within it. I am your host, Matthew. Just as a disclaimer, please remember that this is not financial advice. Neither myself nor my guests are financial advisors. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only. For full disclaimer, please check the YouTube notes below. And also another reminder that there is always a companion analyst report written for my interviews, and a link to that report can be found in the YouTube description. Without further ado, though, I'm pleased to present our latest guest, Paul Cowley, CEO of Phenom Resources. Phenom is a vanadium. Hi, Paul. Nothing. Phenom is a vanadium and gold explorer operating in Nevada. It trades on the TSXV under the ticker PHNM and on the OTCQX in the States under the P under the ticker PHNMF and in Europe under 1PY0. Anyway, Paul, yeah, welcome. Thanks for coming on the show. How are you doing today? Excellent, Matthew. How are you? Good. Yeah, doing fine. Thank you. Glad to be here. So I guess, yeah, thank you. I'm glad you are. Uh, let's just jump right into it, right? So, I mean, why don't you just start us off with a little 30-second elevator pitch on Phenom Resources. What is it? Why is it compelling? And why should investors care about your story? Sure. Yeah, so Phenom is... Uh, run by an amazing group of technical people. Um, we've uh, literally got 450 years of industry experience in our in our group. We're professional engineers and geologists, Canadian and American, uh, men and women. Um, we know what we're doing because we've been all working at, at uh, our careers and our specialty, right from exploration and discovery to building and operating mines. Um, through our careers, working for major mining companies, and now we're together in a great group. Uh, Phenom is working in the uh, tier one jurisdiction of Nevada, but not only just Nevada, but in the most favorable, prospective, uh, and desirable gold trend, the Carlin gold trend, uh, on the planet, the most desirable on the planet. And we've got a very unique geological and asset uh, base on the Carlin trend, it's a it's a stacked system, geological system, where you have a vanadium resource, uh, and it's North America's largest, highest grade vanadium resource at surface, and below that is a Carlin type uh, Car Carlin type gold uh, gold uh, system that we're working on. So we've got a very unique uh, situation. We've got basically two two paths of success here with vanadium and gold. Gold being uh, everyone understands gold vanadium being mineral of a choice for large energy storage batteries through redox flow batteries. And we have lots of activity going on, lots of news flow, uh, lots of triggers through uh, to, uh, 2022. Perfect. Thank you, Paul. I guess, you know, like you kind of referenced, everybody knows gold, but probably fewer people, including myself prior to getting to know the story, frankly, uh, are familiar with vanadium. So do you mind just doing a brief run-through on vanadium, historical uses, production, 
you know, future use projections. And then you mentioned those redox flow batteries. So do you mind just kind of giving us a quick primer on vanadium? Sure, sure. Yeah. So vanadium has been traditionally used as an alloy for strengthening steel. Uh, uh, two pounds of vanadium in a ton of, uh, of steel will double its strength and it also blatants it. So it's a really unique um, in, uh, infrastructural steel, strengthening, uh, yeah, alloy for strengthening steel. And 75% um, of that vanadium is around the world is produced from China and Russia. Uh, so this is a, a really geopolitically favorable uh, project because it's in the U.S. The U.S. doesn't produce it. Um, as I say, uh, it's traditionally been an alloy for strengthening steel, but we're, we know now, uh, and it's been several decades, that the redox flow battery is a uh, vanadium battery that's just as good, if not better, than the lithium battery. And in particular, in its use in large energy storage uh, battery situations like solar, wind, uh, backup power, uh, microgrids, and the like. So it's it's actually superior in many many ways to the lithium battery. So we're 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 actually uh, on the start of a new wave of a, sh a shift of um, vanadium going into these as a green energy source because of the green energy push, the sustainable green energy um, uh, movement that we're in. Uh, it's, it's, and um, the U.S. government is predicting that these large uh, energy storage batteries will be uh, growing astronomically here in this decade alone and going on, on further. Uh, I can talk a little bit more about it, but you know, this is a lengthy topic, and I love talking about it because there's really, really some great... Uh, appeal to the vanadium battery it's it it like let's it, one of the a couple of the really important things is it's uh, it's safe whereas the lithium battery runs hot and uh it can actually have explode and have a thermal runway runaway and it's very very dangerous uh the other thing too is it, it uh with lithium with uh, vanadium is um it's recyclable or reusable. You don't, um, it doesn't, with the multiple charges and discharges, lithium battery will degrade, the vanadium battery won't. So it actually has a lifestyle or life uh, expectancy of well over 25 years. It's reusable. So there's no disposal of the of the metal, like the lithium will be, you have to change out these batteries every three to five years with the lithium. Vanadium, you just keep on using it. So there's some really, really amazing uh, features for the for the vanadium redox flow battery. And vanadium has been added to the critical minerals list for both Canada and the United States. Is that correct? That's correct. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, the critical to yeah future as we understand it of the green revolution. Absolutely. Well, why don't you, if we can just transition here, why don't you just tell us a bit of like your, your background, what, you know, where, where did you cut oh. your teeth and what, what experiences do you bring to the table for Phenom? Yeah. So I'm an exploration geologist and uh, I've been in the business for 42 years and worked all over the world, uh, principally North and South America, but also with West Africa. Um, I was the first, you know, 
about half of my career was with BHP Minerals, which is one of the largest mining companies in the world. Uh, and I was involved with uh, managing a, comp- uh, a project for BHP up in the Canadian Arctic that uh, we were able to discover and evaluate uh, four gold deposits, so mounting to about 8 million ounces of gold. Uh, and then I moved into the junior sector, and I've worked in many, many jurisdictions, many different commodities, gold, copper, uh, vanadium, coal, diamonds. So I've been well-versed, uh, very adaptable. Um, and so, yeah, lots, lots of good experience. And, and with that experience, um, it really comes down to being able to be very selective in what you spend your time at. And um, making good decisions, I would say one of the main things that I bring to the table, besides all of that background, is um, the ability to look forward at something that has the economic viability for it. Uh, There's no point in, in spending time and money um, working, I don't want to spend any time and money working on projects that are like a pump and a dump or or uh, something that has no likelihood of economic viability. So that's a that's a very very fundamental thing when I when I move a project when I pick up a project when I move it forward and keep working on it. It's got to have that that element to it. A lot of geologists. Don't consider that. I'm just looking for a, you know, a splashy something or other. But it's got to have legs. It's got to be able to go all the way to production. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I, I'm going to crib a quote. I think it's from Walter Gretzky, right? You skate not where the puck is, but where the puck is going. And I kind of get a sense that this is feeding on with its with vanadium, right? That, you know, maybe it's a small sector now, but if, like you say, you give it a few years and this decade, it's going to be growing exponentially, right? Yeah. So, and I think that well, we've made precisely, yeah. yeah. Do you mind? Maybe we've already kind of covered it, but I mean, what do you, can you just tell us the genesis of how you arrived with Phenom? What was what's the story there? Well, you know, it's over a course of you know forty two years that you you, you tend to uh, end up working with a number of people overlapping new different groups. And, and so it's a combination of just sort of an evolution of, of connecting with people and, and getting into the right, um, white, the right group of people in the right jurisdiction. So it's, a, it's sort of an evolution. Um, I've always, uh, you know, obviously, you know, I'm a professional geologist, so my word and reputation is very important. And uh, so I always seek people of similar character um and it's sort of that, that sort of just sort of funneled this way and so when did you become ceo of phenom uh it'd be about uh about 12 years ago 12. it wasn't until uh 2017 that we really got on to the vanadium project this is where it was actually a, what's interesting is it's a, a project that was um uh, this uh, uh, worked on in the mid '60s by Union Carbide, which was a very, a very, very successful mining and, and chemical company um, in the U.S., which unfortunately went bankrupt when when it had the, their disaster in, in India. But they were very, very good explorers, 
they found the spinating deposit. They they, um, they they moved it forward up to a point, and then they realized that they just didn't have the metallurgical know-how at that time to uh, unlock the value, and so it was dropped. They they saw they they just couldn't move it forward. They could only recover about fifty less than fifty percent of the vanadium out of the rock. But fast forward our, our situation, you know, we've got five metallurgists in our in our group. Um, we found the secret. We we broke the broke the code on this, and now we we can get um, over eighty percent uh, recovery of the vanadium. So it's a combination of smart guys that are you know that um, that, that are working on the project. Um, know the value there, you know, persistence and, um, and, uh, obviously unlocking the value, uh, advancing it in a very smart orderly fashion on exploration and getting a resource and then working on the metallurgy, then taking it to the, and that's the first, uh, economic study. Mm. Yeah. You know, that's any, any team. It's never just one person, right? There's always, yeah, the oh, yeah. <laughs> strong, strong team members, right? So I yeah. guess, and not at all. This is not at all meant to to a slight to those of your team that I will, you know, will remain unnamed. But I mean, Dave Matheson is a definitely a get when it comes to Nevada Gold, right? Do you mind just kind of introducing right. him to our listeners who might not know who he is? Yeah, Dave Matheson is uh, is a legend. Um, he, he's worked in the in the in Nevada in the Carlin trend for decades, and um, a, a senior guy loves the hunt for gold for gold and and new deposits. He's a mine finder, a deposit finder. He's found um, well over six deposits uh, that he's credited with, and with with the team of. In Nevada, in um, uh, Newmont, which he worked on for a number of years, um, on critical teams that that ended up finding uh, and expanding resources. He was evolutionary, really, in in the uh, in the thinking of Carlin over the last three decades. So, I mean, probably one of the top uh, five in the world that know the types of deposits and. As they say, six deposits within ten kilometers of our property so knows the rocks, knows the systems, knows what to look for, um, and yeah, and that's so important. He's, he's told me before: if you don't have the right people uh, working in Nevada, chances are they're not going to. It's not going to work for them. Um, hmm. You know, he says ninety-five percent of the geologists that come in Nevada. Think they they can import their their thinking, uh, their exploration uh, approach, uh, and and most of the time it just doesn't work out. That's it. So that is a is a it can be very tricky. Uh, but you got to have the right people that know how to do it. And Dave's obviously proven it time and time again from finding these deposits. And he's always yeah. And and the other thing is chemistry. Um, you know, and that's one of the things that we have, not only me and Dave, but also me and the other, the, our whole team. We work. Chemistry is very, very important when we get a team together. Dave and I are, are similar minded and we get along super well. Uh, we have uh, very, very similar values and uh, approach to exploration. 
um, know when to when to spend and when not to spend, when to take time, how to deep go deep diving into things. Yeah, so it, he's he's a real blessing, and I love working with the guy. <laughs> awesome. And he is obviously, I mean, you and I have chatted before and this comes up, but he's obviously quite excited about the prospectivity of, of your yeah. Carlin Gold Vanadium project and smoke, right? My apologies. <laughs> Sorry about that. No, it's quite all right. Yeah, and he's just, he's quite, he's quite uh, bullish as it is, as it were, on your Carlin Gold Vanadium, correct? Yeah. Well, both both our Carlin Vanadium, the, the gold system, he's the one that's leading the charge and mm-hmm. reviewing, all, you know, spotting the holes, um, looking at the holes, interpreting the geology uh, for the Carlin system, which is uh, it's a very very large and interesting um, system, as well as in smoke. Uh, we, this is something I've actually just last week we announced a. Uh, uh, tapping into this new hydrothermal system mm-hmm. that looks really, really interesting. And mm-hmm. we're actually re- starting to drill again in, in, um, in smoke, uh, tomorrow. Interesting. Well, and yeah. you know, you, you, uh, you, like you mentioned at the, off the start, you have a lot of irons in the fire, right? I mean, you're, you're kind of, I, I get a kick out of it. You're that, you're, that drill is getting a lot of kilometers on it. You're bouncing back and forth from, smoke to to carlin right so and and you're yeah. doing that quite strategically which i appreciate uh so you actively drilling on smoke do you mind just kind of running over at this moment may as well take this as an opportunity uh do you mind just running us through smoke i mean what's what how many drills have how many holes have you drilled into it so far how many do you anticipate you say you're drilling again tomorrow how deep are you going yeah. just b- basic overview yeah, so I should mention that smoke is a gold uh, prospect for us. It's only about uh, two hours drive from our Carlin, our main flagship property, so it's, it's well located for us to operate. Um, we've done uh, we've done two two passes of drilling at smoke, so we've done a total of thirteen holes. These are all shallow holes, um, six hundred foot holes, uh, and it's it's really um, a very unique situation. Again, it's. Uh, there's a big outcrop of, of uh, quartz ridge, highly altered uh, dolomite, uh, and it's half a kilometer long and 200 meters wide, standing up in in gravel in, in basically covered uh, valley. So there's really there's very little to go on, um, and so we've uh, Dave really liked the look of this ridge. Uh, from a number of, of reasons for the pathfinders and the gold and the and lithologies and whatnot. So uh, we started with the first pass, realized that we were in, it, we got the right kinds of rocks, um, and then did some geophysics to get a bigger picture of it, uh, got favorable uh, anomalies on that. We did a drill program at the end of June, uh, another, so this would be a whole uh, Nine through thirteen, and um, uh, got the one zinger of a hole. It didn't have gold, so much gold in it, but it had like an extraordinary amount of alteration uh, veining oxide, and it's just below 150 feet of, of uh, gravel. 
So it's a blind target, uh, and we don't know how big this thing is, but it's juicy as heck. Hmm. Um, you've got quartz and alienite veining, which are very, very uh, good to have. Dolomite alteration, tons of brecciation and veining, uh, good, and it's all oxidized in multiple types of oxid, o- oxide minerals, uh, which Dave, when he saw it, he was <laughs> basically vibrating. This is, this is uh, we're on to something here. So we're, um, so obviously we're on the edge because we didn't get significant gold in it, but we got pathfinders like arsenic and, and um, uh, antimony in it. So we're now just working our way uh, into this area where we think the, the system is, is developing. So um, again, shallow drill holes, we do a whole day. So, you know, we'll be at it for a week, and then we'll take a break from that, have our assays in the lab. If that turn around in two weeks, move the rig back to Carlin, and, and we've got a choice of either doing some more vanadium drilling, because we're also, that's another thing that we're doing this summer, is we're expanding the resource, uh, because we we have a resource that we, from our drilling from 2018, we knew we could be, be bigger, uh, but we figured we had enough tonnage at that point um, this was an opportunity for us to push the edges out. So we're, we've, we've done about 45 holes on the Vanadian side too. So, uh, and we've got another 13 to do. Um, those are again, two or three holes a day, real fast and, and efficient cost effective crazy, uh, as well as, as another follow up hole on our hole 15, which is, would be a gold follow-up. Hole 15 was a very good hole um, at Carlin. It was the best that we've ever come across. It has has the most alteration, the most uh, uh, quartz and brecciation, veining, sulfides, uh, really strong pathfinder metals in mercury and and arsenic, and gold from top to bottom. Uh, Just low-grade gold, but it's different in that, that there's more gold throughout the whole section versus 500 meters, it's over 700, 780 meters mm. of gold mm-hmm. saturation. So we've got some really, really interesting things on the gold and the Vanadium side on, um, you know, on these projects. So that's the idea is, 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 as you say, bouncing around. It's not really from a standpoint of lack of focus. It's a matter of managing, mm-hmm. keeping the, the drill uh, working for your your benefit, um, moving to one project, uh, taking a round of drilling, uh, and moving off, waiting for assays for that before you can come back and make, um, you know, further drilling. That's just the prudent thing to do because mm-hmm. holes can be can look fantastic, but they may not have, you know, may not have the numbers that you think you'd have, and so you got to rethink. Every hole tells you something new, and you got to use that. Um, but you got to be smart about it too, and not blow your blow your budget on on going on, on some bad assumptions, basically. Yeah. No. Thank you. And I I will say that you strike me as a, a fairly efficient and and lean man when it comes to the finances. That's you know I it's all about trust as an investor, right? You, you need to trust the person that you're investing your money in and, and, you know, will you make the best decisions with my money? And, and on that matter, yeah, I will, you know, I will commend you. Yeah. You seem like a fairly, fairly 
don't want to say flinty, but you know what I mean, right? Yeah, very, very shrewd. Yeah, but I've been also has been uh, mentioned. People have said that too. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I just want this is curious. Just to step back for one moment here before we move on to your Carlin Gold Vanadium. Uh, but smoke is it just because it was undercover? Is that like, I mean that's the future of mining, yeah. right? Is all these more difficult uh, deposits? But is that the only reason mm. why it had yet to be explored? Right. Yeah, okay. Okay, so why don't you, yeah, can you run through, so, I mean, just, um, you know, as a visual for people or to help explain it, you have, it's about 100 feet deep for your vanadium, right? Is that how deep your your deposit is? Or? Uh, it goes to about, about 80 meters. Uh, meters, pardon 200, me. 200 foot holes, yeah. Okay. That's right. And then about six. Yeah, so that's a, a, to describe it, it's a, it's, long and about two kilometers long this deposit this vanadium deposit two kilometers long about uh well we're we're, we're pushing the edges out so uh we um it's probably uh 800 meters wide um and then the it's usually just one but sometimes there's multiple zones that are kind of on the average 15 to 20 meters thick uh, uh, bands, kind of layered, layered geology, so to speak. Okay, and yeah, you so you have this vanadium at surface, and it's you know a large, large deposit. You know the the plan is uh, open and high yeah. grade. Yep. So plan is open pit that, and then if you know if if the geology gods knock on wood, right, are lucky, are happy enough to to bless you with a gold deposit, then that would be the underground mine. So you actually end up having two different mining operations on the same footprint, which they... Yeah, and, and physically, that's, that's quite unique in that respect. And and physically, you can separate the two out uh, from, you know, physical separation. The vanadium is in the top 80 meters. The gold is somewhere down in uh, 300, 400 meters down. So... From a safety standpoint, you could actually operate two different companies could operate that simultaneously. One is an open pit, one's an underground. So that's one of the possible strategies is if we were to uh, make a gold gold discovery and define a, a deposit a gold deposit, that's something that we could sell to a significant partner or or party uh, and and that money. Um, and these are types of deposits. These are the Carlin, we're in the Carlin trend. So this is where monster deposits occur. Uh, and, uh, and they're usually, we're going after the, the higher, high grade, uh, feeders to these systems. That's what, that's what Dave's targeting. So these are sort of half ounce, ounce type of deposits and they, they're multi-million ounce deposits. So these are, you know, very very profitable kinds of targets and mines, and um, so the idea we could potentially uh, sell, you know, discover and develop a resource and and sell that. Obviously, we wouldn't sell it cheaply; we'd sell that at a good price, and that money would give us the money to build to finance the vanadium mine. So that's there's some really really interesting ways of of 
two paths forward to and different ways of succeed, of succeeding here. Mm-hmm. And that's you know you I obviously agree. I think that you know that there are a couple of options that we'll get into here in a moment here where if if either of these options come to fruition, the gold or the grants, then this creates an extremely compelling case for your vanadium deposit, right? Um, that that that's this that huge boon economically in terms of helping making the numbers work. Uh, do you mind though? So let's just set aside just for the sake of discussion, set aside the the gold prospectivity for a moment, and can you just run us through just the the tonnage, the percentage, uh, the concentration of of your vanadium though? What what's your vanadium deposit look like? Uh, in terms of size, well, our in terms of a resource, eighty percent of it's in the indicated, which is very favorable. Um, so we've got uh, three hundred eighty million pounds of V two O five or vanadium pentoxide. So that's a that's a significant amount, and the grade is uh, 0.6, 0.65 V two O five. So we're kind of sitting in this high grade. There are, are deposits around the world that are higher grade. They're in the 1 or 0.8 to 1 point, or 1.2. Uh, and and they're, they're obviously in operation in South Africa and Brazil. But there's uh, we're sitting in the next kind of tier of grade. Um, there's a lot of vanadium deposits out there that are like 0.25, 0.3. Hard to say. Eventually, I think uh, because I really think that there's a future for vanadium in the in the green energy space. Eventually, those will will become economic, but we we're going to need to see fifteen or twenty dollar per pound vanadium prices for that to happen. So we're in a we're sitting in a really uh, nice there's pro- a nice place. It's probably you know. Eight projects around the world that are that are kind of um, in the economic study stage, so they could move towards uh, production. Obviously, depending on financing and metal prices, so we're 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 well positioned in in, in a timeline of permitting and, and the likes. Yeah, and well, and I find that interesting because. Correct me if I'm wrong, but is it 80% or 70% of, of global vanadium is not even primary or even secondary mining? It's it's from slag, correct? It's a yep. byproduct from slag. And so, you yep. know, if we get this, if we start to hit this inflection point where demand for vanadium starts to increase exponentially or starts to, starts to increase in a meaningful way that outstrips, you know, steel growth, then all of a sudden these, these, primary vanadium mines such as your own is where, yeah, this is where it's game on at that point, right? Um, I guess if we might just kind of circle back or I guess let's let's just chat about NPV for a while here for a second because the, because vanadium is so volatile, right? I mean, I'll, I'll try to put a graph up for my viewers on YouTube, but I mean, it peaked out almost at $30 per ton a few years Uh back US. Now it's down what was is it eight or nine dollars now, right? So there's there's huge volatility, uh, which obviously, yeah. as an investor, 
it makes me wary because it's hard to put a pin on anything or make real projections. And then also, obviously, from a mind-building perspective, uh, it also makes it really difficult. I mean, this is I mean, copper, right, has come down. I, there's a copper mine I follow that they just had to shut down operations for six to nine months because the copper prices are low, right? So even even Dr. Copper, you get that issue. I guess for me, mm-hmm. like what, where do you see and how does this market or how does vanadium start to stabilize? You know, how does it strengthen in demand where you have that elevated price and then also stabilize yeah. the volatility so it makes it more predictably investable, if that makes sense? Yeah, that's a, that's a really, really important thing to, to identify. Um, and you have to really look at, um, as I started mentioning in the earlier part, that vanadium has always has traditionally been a steel alloy. Uh, so it's in one way, it's, it's kind of a victim of whatever's happening with steel mm-hmm. and, and infrastructural projects around the world. And when there's been uh, cycles where there's a perception of of a, a shortage, uh, like a push for for a lot of steel or a technological advancement or something like that, you get these spikes in vanadium. So in 2005, 2008, 2018, they're really spiky, and then it bring coming down to like five or six dollars a pound. The, the, the most important thing to understand is that's a thing of, well, we're, we're on the edge of that being past tense. Um, we're still in, in that, you know, short transition. As I say, the green energy space is going to be the game changer uh, for vanadium because it will decouple from that demand on, on steel or reliance on steel and become... The, the metal of choice for um, large energy storage batteries. And, you know, the, the U.S. expects to be the largest, the world's largest uh, market for these stationary batteries. Um, so that, that so the, the, cha- the, the supply and demand of vanadium is going to be completely changed here in the short order in sort of like the six-month, year, two-year range. And, um, you know, so, and there's, yeah, this, this, is, this is what's going to change the, the um, that spikiness. It's going to become more, uh, more reliant on uh, kind of more typical of, of another, of other types of metal because of that, that bigger market. And just like lithium, you know, we've seen lithium prices, you know, last September, they've gone mm-hmm. went up five times mm-hmm. because of the perceived demand for lithium in EV space. And it hasn't come back down again. It's stuck mm-hmm. up there. So we, we see that happening with um, vanadium falling in, in, in line with that type of <clears throat> demand, global demand, uh, the need for uh, the battery chain that, uh, and, a, and a, so the, also good to note that the, the lithium battery is great for the EV space. The vanadium battery is better for the stationary battery space. 
So they have, they both have really good niches. Um, they can, can, they can, there'll be cross pollination between the markets where Vanadium could, could come into the EV space at some point, but there's enough demand, um, in the East, East EV space for, for lithium to just do nothing but provide to the EV space and not have any left over for the large energy storage value where the vanadium will be the other way around. So this is where there's a, a, a I think a very significant um, uh, shift that's going to be happening here in the short order. Mm-hmm. Well, and like you said, I think it is important just to clarify, right, that when we talk about, you know, fields of, of solar panels or fields of windmills or even just, you know, I mean, there's the Tesla's home battery that they, they've been t- toying with the last few years. So this is, that's, that's yeah. the, that's the use case for your, for your redox flow battery, right? So especially as we start to green infrastructure, this becomes a more and more real serious issue that needs to be solved is the storage, long-term storage of, of electricity, right? So, yeah. uh, so I yeah. guess just to further this point, because right now we talk about the, you know, that right now it's all steel usage, right? For, for aerospace and for, and the, yeah, for rebar and such, but what percentage of vanadium right now is used for redox flow batteries? I think it's around uh, somewhere between uh, five and ten percent. Okay, right. So a very small. So we're going to see. Yeah, we're going to see a big shift here. I, 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 I would think that in the next two to three years, it's going to be more like forty percent. Yeah. Well, and that and that 30, that fits within oh, just based on my yeah. reading or research for this interview. Is I I saw. A projection from a reputable analyst there he figures that that yeah. uh it'll that the global uh vanadium redox flow battery market is going to triple by 2026 right so i mean that's that's a yeah. huge annual growth rate and that's yeah this is where oh, yeah. yeah and i i'd add i could add to that um uh, there's huge amounts of of U.S. federal money that's available. This is the grant you mentioned, uh, reference to a grant um, money, and that's where this is. Uh, uh, carry on with that thought is there's um, nine billion dollars, nine billion dollars that are have been earmarked in in Biden's infrastructure bill um, to invest in projects, companies, and projects. Um, that are in, are in the uh, battery chain space. They want to ensure, and there obviously there's from a geopolitical, homeland security, and economic uh, viability of, of of making sure that the U.S. is at a forefront. Right now, it's it's behind the behind the behind China in terms of where it should be with batteries, and they recognize it, and so they're putting bucks towards it. Um, and we've we made uh, four applications for grants, U.S. Uh, federal grant money, through the Department of Energy and Department of Defense um, in June, and um, and th- these are big big allotments, uh, and we're looking to we think we have a really good um, justifiable story for them to uh, not focus only on lithium. You've got to be 
you got to diversify your supply line and, and lithium, you know, is not the, the be all and end all. Um, and so, yeah, we, we, we think uh, that we have a pretty good chance of getting some, some grant money and we're, we're talking big bucks. These applications are for well, one application is for $100 million. <laughs> so if you get something like that, obviously goes great, you know, goes to the bottom line of, a, of your CapEx for funding your, your project and obviously a, a federal government supported project is uh it would be astronomical uh for a company like mm -hmm. ourselves well and i you know i let's let's talk about that for a second but just as a segue right that you have this vanadium deposit there's four billion dollars worth of vanadium give or take a billion right <laughs> uh in the ground for you right now yeah. uh and on on at current vanadium prices marginally economic uh, I think that there's a very legitimate bull case to be had that, as we just mentioned, that vanadium itself, I mean, there's going to have to be a way for the market to incentivize extraction because the demand supply is not going to keep up with demand. So if you're actually a patient investor and willing to actually invest and, and wait a number of years, I think this is a, a beautiful opportunity because you have $4 billion trading for $40 million market cap, give or take, right? But then, yeah, you have this potential gold deposit uh, that would just like, I mean, between the gold and the grant, if one, of, if one or heck both of those come through, this is an extremely explosively powerful story, right? That you, because vanadium is a critical mineral, because we're seeing the, you know, the kind of the shrinking of the fraying of globalization, as you mentioned, right? That, I mean, now it is this, this return to resource nationalism uh, if you have a vanadium deposit, like like America does in a mining friendly jurisdiction, you know, that, that's large and economic and 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 has this potential to solve their issues. Um, it, like it, it starts to sound like I I try to be objective. I don't, but I mean it's it's, it's I get excited. This is an exciting project, right? So I I yeah I understand. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, I mean, is there anything else about the 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 grants that we should mention? You said that you've 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 applied for how many grants now in the last couple of weeks? Four, four grants. Four four grants. Yeah, and the um, <clears throat> what we're being told is uh, uh, the fall and no potentially no October November it could be a, a decision made. Of course, there's, there's going to be great competition for. For free money, and this is this is not loan money. This would be free money that the government would want to invest in projects, uh, and they they recognize that that it takes uh, research and development money. This would be you know that's investing these companies because you you got to be looking at a five year game plan. Um, if you it, it, otherwise, you're just way too far behind on the on the mm -hmm. curve. So I think that's, you know, by the fall, we'll, we'll get an idea of uh, where we sit with against the competitors. So let's, let's just talk worst case scenario, right? Let's say that the grants government changes its mind. They actually don't like critical minerals, right? Gold's not there, right? Worst case scenario. So you're stuck with trying to make that your current vanadium deposit 
the best it can be. Are there past, so right now, if, if, if correct me, my numbers are wrong, but I think it's uh, as of your PEA from 2020, it's $535 million in CapEx, initial CapEx. So do you have plans yeah. to reduce that number? Is there a way for you to maybe get that number down to help make it more economically yeah. viable? Yeah, we've, uh, there's a number of opportunities that were identified in the PEA and the preliminary economic assessment. Uh, we've uh, done one already, and we can see we can save money. Um, and there's and we're in the process of a, of doing a, a, doing another internal study um, to uh, change some of the um, the equipment that was being used. And, and um, so there, yeah, there's a number of opportunities to bring it down. Um, and the other as from the other end, um, increase the size of the resorts. Mm -hmm. Uh, and, and then there's always with, with, with these kinds of projects, you can, there's engi smart engineers that can look at, um, uh, maybe staging something like we've got, uh, one type, you know, we've got an oxidized portion of the deposit and an unoxidized portion. And, and one, one is, is cheaper to, and it's about half and half. So we, we could potentially build a smaller, plant it's lower capex uh, and work the, the lower operating cost uh, portion of the deposit or or you go up to the super high grade and get your payback faster so there's ways of of managing planning scheduling that uh, can also improve the economics and, and those are things that that we would look at well and so maybe and Obviously, not going to hold you to any numbers here, but if you don't mind, and obviously feel free to defer the comment. But uh, in terms of just circling back to capex, is there like a number, like a percentage-wise, that you think you might be able to shave off that you're comfortable throwing out there? Uh, well, um, I don't know that'd be a, a no. Probably not to. Uh, that's not to okay. talk, but, you know, yeah. form, formulate that. We think it'd be uh, significant enough to make a difference. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. And how much, and, and then, like you say, coming at it from the other end, uh, with the with your resource, I mean, where how much prospectivity is left at that vanadium? Are you kind of starting to reach the ends of it, or is it still? Uh, no, there's, there's still open-ended. Yeah. And again, I can't uh, talk about the percentage of increase yet because we're, we've got... Uh, we're still seeing it there, um, and um, it, it, yeah, can't really talk about no. numbers until we get assays back and, and start putting it all together. But yeah, I think that there there's definitely opportunity. Well, I guess maybe a better question for you then is when when might we expect a, a resource update? Um, well, we're still uh, maybe by the end of the year. Um, maybe sooner, um, we, 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 uh, there's, there's a number of things that we're considering. So I'd rather, rather not tip my hat mm -hmm. just yet. Um, but, uh, it, we, we are moving towards putting all these pieces together towards, uh, advancing the project to a pre-feasibility. Uh, but obviously we want to see the vanadium 
price to start coming up. So we're working on a number of angles, like improving, uh, increasing the the tonnage, the tonnage, reducing the capex. Um, you know, you work at it from both mm -hmm. ends, mm -hmm. and uh, and then move forward to pre feasibility. And and you know, if grant money comes up, that that would help speed up the process mm -hmm. as well. Just not to not to torture the point, but do you know off the top of your head how many meters or feet of drilling is not accounted for in your current resource? Um, well, the the number of holes mm -hmm. that we're doing now is we're aiming at doing about sixty holes this mm -hmm. year. Uh, doesn't mean that we're at the end of of that, but it's it, it's at, at that point it, it's pause time, get all the results back, model it up, see where it still can be pushed, and you know getting another campaign mm -hmm. going. So there is a, it's it's an iterative stage, and you got to judge that when we you know when you got all your information that you can do, you, know, you can work off of. So it's you know the, the meterage is not very much because it's these are averaging about. 200, you know, 70 meter holes, and we've got 60, so you can, you know, calculate that. Uh, I would say that, you know, in terms of our budgeting this year, we're probably putting half of our budget towards the deeper gold target at Carlin, about quarter of our budget into the vanadium, and a quarter of our budget on Thank smoke. You. So that, that's roughly the kind of split right now um and the reason why well we're, we're optimistic and, and hopeful on on all three uh that doesn't mean you know it's just like the deeper gold ones are more expensive and longer can take longer to to, to do and, and the rewards can be mm -hmm. enormous too and that's why mm -hmm. we're doing it too yeah absolutely game game changing if that happens right absolutely yeah just curious, do you mind what's your what's your price per foot or price per meter for drilling down there? You're using an RC drill, correct? Yeah, so it'll, it'll vary obviously because uh, the, the shallow mm -hmm. holes that, that smoke are like a hundred dollars a meter. Um, whereas the the deeper holes, because it's it's slower going, and you end up it's more the rock is is tougher to get through. Uh, it'd be more like maybe $400 a meter, even with RC. So it varies. And diamond drilling, we're not doing diamond drilling yet. Um, obviously you want that, you, you one, the, the RC is the more effective, cost-effective way of, of exploring and, and, uh, finding your, your, um, ore grade intercept and then from there then you shift to diamond drilling which is probably well in the in the case of uh of the deeper carlin when you still probably end up doing half or more of a hole with rc because there's a lot of stratigraphy that just uh, is not you don't need to have core on and then you sh shift to core drilling in the critical uh, sections of, of the rock type and, uh, and the deposits. 
So you, you, you know, you try to bring in the best tools you can at the best price. Um, and each, you know, there's compromises in each, each way of doing it. So it's a matter of, you know, good, good decision making. You just reminded me that I, I neglected to ask you about your share structure. You do have a very tight float. I think it's only 86 million commons outstanding at the moment. Is that sound correct? Yeah. And then not a lot of, not a lot of, not a lot of overhang. Do you mind just kind of filling me in on uh, the warrants and their strike prices and their expiry dates? Yeah, there's, uh, we've got about 22 million warrants out and there's uh, some that are at uh, 26 cents and some that are at uh, uh, 75 cents. Um, we also have options. Uh, there's about 5 million, 5.4 million options uh, with insiders. There are around the 25 to 50 cent range, the options. Um, the, we're, our, our share structure is, is predominantly retail investors. Um, we have a few little funds from Europe and Switzerland and Eastern Europe, but we found that every time we've gone to do a private placement that um, we've gone to try to get funds in, but funds are very slow in making decisions. And usually the retail investor, they see an opportunity that story is strong. Uh, they make decisions in, you know, very short time. And so our private placements get snapped up quickly. You know, if, if, uh, if, reach, if, if uh, funds, they take weeks and weeks, they're, you know, that, that our private placements filled by that time. So it's, it, so that we're a retail base. We would like to move towards the in, uh, institutional uh, investing. I think ultimately we will be, but it's, it's, um, and we've, we've tried since, you know, 2018 to bring in more, but it's, it's that, it's that excitement and interest and strong story that the retail investor just, Mm-hmm. This gets uh, without a lot of due diligence that um, that that funds end up having to take, and they, you know, anyways, that's the way we the way we've grown, and we've done really well. Um, you know, we've got really really good shareholders. Uh, we've got you know a number of people who are are you know positioning two to six percent of the company. Uh, Rob McEwen mm-hmm. is a big. Um, newer shareholder in his last, he put in one and a half million dollars in his last private placement in, uh, in the spring of this year. And he put in 400,000 private placement before, uh, Tuki Angus is a big shareholder. He's a well-known Vancouver based, uh, successful businessman and, and entrepreneur. He's been involved in, he's a, a six. He calls them unicorns, but basically buyouts of um, of projects that he's been involved with that have sold for billions. So I mean, he's a great M and A kind of a guy for us. Also, sniff it out uh, in our network. Just curious if you don't mind, just kind of pursuing this concept for a moment. I mean, is it a matter of institutions being a bit more conservative with their funding and their 
waiting for vanadium to kind of prove itself a little bit more or is, is that does that strike you as a as a concept or no um well they're, they're, they're starting to get the picture uh certainly i've got lots of calls into europe um in the last uh six months and they're saying oh yeah this is this looks you know i explained the, the sort of game-changing kind of situations there and they get it um but and but it it is a it, it is an education and that, that's one of the things that not only for uh retail investors but uh but funds as well it's People aren't familiar with vanadium. It hasn't really popped up. It popped up in 2015, 2018, because of those price hikes. But then it just kind of disappears. And it's a smaller market than something like gold. So people don't, you know, they don't understand it so much. They, there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of, you know, it, it, there's, the, the marketing of it, the, the you know how it's used, and all that kind of stuff. There's it. It usually takes uh, quite a bit of time to educate someone to get to get their comfort level with vanadium, and and so that's we understand that that's been part of our road here, and is to get people to understand. Yeah, this is this is a thing. This is a, yeah. something. Yeah, it is the future, and the future is fast approaching. Never stops. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, yeah. uh, parting thoughts, final word to you, Paul. Well, I just appreciate all the time that uh, people have, have listened to this whole uh, podcast. That's that's awesome. Um, we, you know, we were honest, hardworking guys that uh, want to see value for our shareholders and doing our best for the shareholders. And so, um, and we, we've done it before in our, projects uh in around the, big projects around the world for major companies so um i uh i just want to thank everyone for their time and and um and interest and certainly um yeah just dive deeper into this project and and into this company and yeah, see it's worth real. your time well no thank you paul thank you for coming on the show thank you for being a gracious guest and yeah i look forward to the next time we chat Wonderful. Thank you very much, Matthew. Thanks.